Othniel chapter 30. I'm so thankful for so many in our church who've allowed their stories of a comeback to be used so that we can be encouraged and, and just a lot of great testimonies. I was thinking this morning as we're enjoying this time together, often uh, as we have our second service on Sunday, I'll tell them of the good things that happen in this service. If we'll have a decision made for Christ or someone baptized, I'll open in the second service by sharing that good news with them. But seldom do, do I tell you of something that happened in the second service. A week goes by and and I often fail to mention it, but I want to share something with you. I want you to know that God is at work at, at the life of Coastline Baptist Church. He's doing something special here. Uh, last Sunday, when I was done preaching the message in the second service, uh, three, three adults right here just, just got up and responded and, and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, and we are blessed to have a church that is just kind of, we've got to meet in different times and places, and small groups are meeting at all different times. And, and it's really hard to wrap our hands around everything that's going on. And, and uh, of course, we all want more to be done for the Lord. He's worthy of it. But uh, I'm just grateful today to be able to share our church with our church family that people are coming to know Christ. And, and uh, I think uh, we've got five folks from our church this morning on their way to Costa Rica as part of a missions trip and just good things happening all the time. And I'm, I'm thankful to share that with you. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8 is where we're going to begin today. If you've ever taken a road trip with children, they like to ask questions. Mostly they like to ask one question. Does anyone think you know without saying it? Does anybody think you know what that one question is more than any other? Are we there yet, right? That's what they want to ask. And what's funny is the ones that ask it the most often are the ones that have no concept of distance or time. If you told them how far away you were or how long it was going to take, they wouldn't be able to put all that together. It's the littlest kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? How about now? Now? How about now? Now? Are we there? Are we there? And they'll drive you absolutely crazy asking questions like that. They can't even understand the answer if it were given to them. I think sometimes in life when we're coming back from a setback, we can have that kind of spirit. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Am I all the way back yet? Have I arrived? Did I make it? And we can, we can get that kind of, of an attitude. We're admittedly in a more difficult time of life than others. We're coming back from a deficit situation. But what makes it hard for us is what we saw as we started this series. In a comeback in life, there's not a big scoreboard that lets us know exactly how we're doing. And so we're always wondering, have, have I made it back? Is the comeback complete? And, and we have a spirit that asks, are we there yet? I hope this message today will both encourage you as well as share the reality that we'll never fully be there in life. Are we there yet? No. And as long as we have life in front of us, we, we won't be. And that's, that's not negative, that's just the reality of life. Every day is an opportunity to, to come back a little further, so to speak. Life is not about one giant comeback, it's about a series comebacks and I found this to be true in my life maybe you'd say the same in your life but about the time I start to get some momentum and get a little complacent in life in that moment I've sown the seeds for the need for my next comeback when pride comes in uh, when, when self begins to to grow and the key in life to living on the victory side of things it's not just one great win it's a willingness to keep fighting and come back from the various needs that we have in fact I have found that I can have a comeback in one area of my life and it then will reveal that I need to deal with another area of life. 
It may be a season in life where an emphasis is on marriage and there's a comeback of sorts there. And, and while you're celebrating the win, so to speak, in that area of life, you're thinking, man, I've, I've got to get a little more busy in the fatherly aspects of life. I, I, I need to work harder here. And you'll really invest time and energy and do your best. And, and you'll see some fruit from that. And you'll begin to feel good about it. And then you'll think, man, my walk with God is just, it's not been quite the way I'd like for it to be. And you begin to emphasize there. And when that's done, it's like, you know, I haven't balanced my checkbook in a while. And there's, there's always something going on in life. There's always something to do in life. We can find the closest thing to balance in life when we just choose then to live in comeback mode. Addressing the various issues that God brings to our attention. Seeking to live that type of a balanced life, the closest thing to balance as possible. And I say the closest thing to balance because I think we sometimes misunderstand what a balanced life is, is all about. Uh, if I were to walk across a high wire today, I'd probably be holding a big pole, at least that's what they do in the cartoons, right? And, and I'd be walking across and, and every now and then I'd be, I'd be going like this. I think people that walk across high wires would say the the key to balance is small adjustments. It's understanding you're never just totally stationary. You're never just totally there, but you want to make small adjustments. When you start making enormous adjustments, you're getting ready for a fall, man. I mean, that's what happens right before you fall off the rope. And so when I say the closest thing to balance, that's what I'm talking about. We need to have that sensitivity in life where as we're going through, we're sensing what's happening. We're sensing the winds of opposition. We're sensing the way we're dealing with things and we're making those adjustments along the way. So in answer to the question, are we there yet? The answer is no. And we never will fully be there in this life. There's always room for improvement. But I want to look today at the life of a man in Scripture who I think is probably the best at comebacks. In fact, I've given this man we're going to study today a nickname. He's the king of comebacks. And he's a man by the name of King David. If anybody in life knew how to come back, it was David. In fact, he seemed to do that, as I've said, better than any other. He was the greatest king in all of Israel's history. And being a great king, it didn't mean he never faltered. He did. But because he was great... In his capacity to come back, he, he didn't seem to stay down for long. And he's got a great lesson to teach us today. Uh, if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to uh, this passage today. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, we're going to read one verse together, and I want you to know we're going to be in a lot of different passages that cover the life of David today. And so we're going to read one verse to kind of get us started, and we're going we're to take some time to develop how he handled Different, different events that came into his life. But to help us get started today, 1 Samuel chapter 30, and the Bible tells us this in verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, so God now is answering David, he said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So we find David in a moment in time in his life where a comeback is needed. He's seeking the Lord's will, the Lord's direction. And God gives him the liberty in his heart to go for it. And God says, as you go, you're going to recover all. You're going to have a comeback win in your life, David. And uh, there's a great lesson for us in this. Let's have a word of prayer together. Our Father, thank you for this day, for these people, for your word, for your love. May we learn today so that we can grow in life and 
And may we can continue to look more like you as we grow in life. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm sure all of you can relate, but I've had moments in time in my life where I was getting ready to get out of town, maybe to make a trip or maybe for a vacation time. And, and in the days leading up to that trip, I got more done than any other days in my life. And I'm sure you know what that is. You have a deadline and you've got somewhere to go and things that have to be done and you just get into turbo mode and you make it happen and, and you start pumping out the work and and we could think man if I can only get this kind of work done every day it would be great but the reality is it just it doesn't work like that the fact is it's hard to maintain that type of focus and persistence over long periods of time and and we also know this if we live at a frenetic pace in life at some point we're going to experience what a lot of people call burnout we're going to get to the point where we lose creativity we lose vision we lose purpose we lose focus and and the wheels will come off altogether what we do have to understand though is that a solid work ethic is required every day of life but when the push is required in the comeback moments they need to be measured they need to be strategic we need to be thoughtful in how we handle those times now, King David, he knew seasons of peace in his life. Uh, he knew what it was as he would write about walking through the pastures in life. He knew those peaceful moments. He understood that. But he also had many times when he needed to come back and the adversity was there. And he had to be strategic and measured in the energy he was going to pour into that comeback moment. Now, we don't have to wonder how David handled so many of his comebacks. Because God in His grace was so careful to write it all down for us in the Bible so we could see it. What David experienced, God wants us to understand. And, and as you have your notes nearby, and I hope you do, I want us to see several events in the life of David where he came back and what it is we can learn from these moments from the king of comebacks. We're going to see, first of all today, that David allowed adversity to serve as a wake-up call spiritually. He allowed adversity to serve as a wake-up call spiritually. We started reading today in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we began reading just in verse 8. But this is a passage that really unfolds an amazing moment in David's life. He's a young man. He's on the run from King Saul. God has anointed David to be the king. He's not yet in charge, and and the king at the time is trying to kill him. And, And so David's going through all types of adversity. And we find him at a moment in time in his life where the men that were with him and David, they, they go away to fight a battle. And while they're away, a group called the Amalekites come into their camp and they take all their stuff. They take their wives, they take their children, and, and they, they run away with them. And David and his warriors come back. They're hot, they're tired, they're discouraged, and they see that the camp's totally been decimated. The Bible tells us, that some incredible grief was taking place as a result of that. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, and verse 4, as all this is unfolding, the Bible says, David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And I don't know if you've ever been there in your life. I don't know if you've ever been at that point where you were going through a season of adversity, the setback was profound, and it just seemed to take every bit of living strength right out of you. No more power. It just seemed to totally deplete you. And that's where we find David in this moment. This is not at all what he would have wanted to have happened. For David, this was a time really to quit or to make a comeback. 
And David chose the latter. He decided this is something that I need to come back from. As the Bible continues to tell us the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and in verse 6, the Bible says, And David was greatly distressed because the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son's and for his daughters, the Bible tells us that the people that were with David, they were so disappointed in him, they're thinking now, we're, we're just going to stone David, let's kill him. And the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So in this time, the men that David was leading, they lost confidence in him. They were angry at him. They spoke of killing him. The Bible says they were going to stone him. And in response to that moment, we see really an attribute in the life of someone who can make a comeback. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I am thankful for some encouragers in my life, and I want to be an encourager in the lives of others. I want to be an encourager in your life. But when it comes to that moment where a comeback is to be made, it's got to be something on the inside between you and God. There's got to be a moment where you personally, in response to your relationship with God, make that decision. I can either quit or make a comeback, and I'm going to make a comeback, God helping me. In moments like that, you'll find that God then can bring others along who can encourage you in the way but the beginning the commencement the start of it is something in your heart between you and God and so David encouraged himself and he leveraged this time of loss into a time of spiritual gain and and the Bible tells us that he went to the priest and he said bring me hither the ephod now, ephod, that's not a word we use a whole lot today, but that word in, in Old Testament times was a word that referred to like a special garment that they would wear when they prayed. What David was saying in that statement was this, I need to get alone with God. I need to spend some time in prayer. I've got decisions to make. I'm going through it. I've got no more. I can't even cry anymore. I've been so broken. And those who are supposed to be with me are now speaking of killing me. I, I need to get that prayer garment on, that, that prayer covering on. I need to talk to God. So here's a moment in David's life. It was physical in every sense of the word. But David saw the spiritual side of it. And he said, as I go through this season, there's one thing I must do. And it's the first thing that I must do. I need to allow it to draw me closer to God. He asked God what to do, and I, I want us to think of this. In this conversation, God told David, pursue, go after him, David, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. God said, David, everything you've lost, you're going to get back. Times in life when we need a comeback are never easy, but they do have a way of waking us up spiritually. And I really believe that David became the king of comebacks because when adversity came, when the setbacks came, he had a heart that was quick to turn to God, to wake up. Now we could say, Pastor, I don't want to spiritualize every event in my life, but the reality is every event in life has a spiritual implication, ramifications in our lives. And we need to have the ability when we're going through things to say, is there something in this that the Lord wants to teach me? 
Is there an area in life that I need to grow in that, that's exposed by this season through which I'm going? And how did David become the king of comebacks? Well, he allowed adversity to serve as a spiritual wake-up call. But as we continue in our text, we're going to see today that he learned to become brutally honest and transparent with God. He learned to become brutally honest and transparent with God. Now, I've tried to be clear in this, in this series. Now, I want everyone just to look up here for one second. I've tried to be clear that not every comeback that we need in life is the result of our own sin. So if I, if I tell you today, you need to have a comeback in your life, I'm not condemning you. I'm not suggesting that, that you're in a deficit situation because of your sinfulness. The fact of the matter is some of the comebacks we need in life, it's just because we got a raw deal, someone did wrong to us. I, I, I understand that, so I'm not insinuating anything about you. But I'll tell you a little bit about me. I have found that most of the comebacks I need in life can be traced right back to a bad decision I've made, to a sin I've, I've, I've committed, and oftentimes in our lives, when we come to these moments, we're just not really willing to own up to the situation. Now, I'm not talking about false guilt. The other category is the other category. I'm talking about these times where we've made the bad decision, we've gone the wrong way, we've, we've done the wrong thing, and, and we brought the difficulty uh, our well. Too often in life, <clears throat> our needs are amplified by sin and poor decisions. Our spiritual life, for example, it's not what it needs to be because we've neglected maybe coming to church or fellowshipping with Christians, reading the Bible and prayer and so forth. We neglected those things and so we see a need for a comeback in our spiritual lives. Maybe our health is not what it needs to be because we haven't paid attention to the indicators or our finances are not where they need to be. And, and the reason, if we were honest, it's not because we don't make enough, it's because we consistently spend more than we bring in, and that's where the deficit comes from. And we need to be honest in situations like that. Maybe it's our relationships. They're not what they need to be because we've been only withdrawing from these relationships instead of investing back into them. And this next comeback in the life of David, we're going to see that he totally took his eye off the ball. He royally messed things up in his life. I'll give you a little insight into the season. It was the time of year where nations would fight. They'd schedule these things, you know. Nobody wants to fight in the, in the cold or maybe in the rain, so they'd set these seasons where, all right, we're going to have a fight. I'll see you there. And, and uh, uh, they would go, the kings would go, and they'd get out there and have, have their wars. And it was the time for David to be there with his men, to be there encouraging them, rallying them, preparing them for battle. But this year, David said, you guys go ahead without me. I don't, I don't think I'll be the leader this year. Well, the, the army went away, and David stayed home. The Bible tells us during this time that David was lounging around, an idle mind can be the devil's workshop, you know, and I think David can teach us that. And so he should have been with his troops. He should have been at the battle, but he's at home lounging around. He's got idle time on his hands, you know, and, and he's on his roof looking around, and he sees a woman who he knows is a married woman, and she's taking a bath on her roof, and he looks and he lusts after her. And being the king, he's got connections all over the kingdom. He, he arranges for an affair to come, and, and then to try to cover the affair, we find out that King David, he arranges things so that this woman Bathsheba's husband, a man by the name of Uriah, that, that he who was away at war, he'd be put in the very front of the action, and David commanded all the men around Uriah to pull back so that he'd be killed. 
So in this moment in David's life, we're talking about adultery and really murder. He arranged it. So this is, this is the king of Israel. This is supposed to be God's man. And, and he's, he's committed two of the big ones. I mean, if we wanted to boil it down to ten, he, he clearly has, has crossed some lines here. We find in this time in his life that a prophet by the name of Nathan confronts David. And we find that David is not just remorseful. I think we all have it in us to be sorry when we've been caught. And that's different than truly repentant because of our sin. But David, in this moment, he was truly repentant. And by that, I mean he agreed with God's assessment of his sin. God, I agree with everything you're thinking about what I've done. I agree with you. Being a musician and a poet meant that David would a lot of times work through his emotions and his feelings by, by writing. By writing. I don't know I can relate exactly, but sometimes I like to write things out. I, I write a little in a journal just about every day, and as I go through things, it's helpful for me to, if, I, if I can just kind of write about it. And David, in this time in his life, in this moment in his life, adultery, murder, the shame it brought into his life on the kingdom, the effects in his family. In this moment in David's life, he sits down and he starts writing, and he writes a psalm. In fact, the psalm he writes is Psalm 51. And I want us to hear what it is that comes from the heart of David during this moment in time in his life. In Psalm 51, David says this to the Lord. He says, Have mercy on, upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. This was a man who was coming clean. He was being honest with the Lord. I acknowledge my transgressions, my sins ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Now, I don't know why. Maybe I watch too many police shows, but I can just see David sitting at the table in the dimly lit room, you know, and, the, and the, the detectives on the other side of the desk and the defense attorney comes in and says, David, not another word. You don't say a word. Don't answer a question. Don't say anything. And David has to turn to the defense attorney and say, this is between me and God. God, I'm wrong. I'm guilty. I did it. And God, I agree with everything you think about my sin. David learned that comebacks in life take place when we're honest and transparent with God. You see, although we can hurt ourselves and hurt others when we make poor choices, ultimately what's happening in a time like that is we're robbing God of the potential that he's put in our lives and, and the impact that it has on others. It's something that, that has an impact on God's will in their lives. As, as he was writing, David told this to the Lord. He said, God against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in that sight. That's why David could say that. He, he said, God, I acknowledge at the end of the day, this all comes right back to you. We're to live for you. And, and it's you that I have sinned against. And this goes back to a motivation in a comeback. It's not to clear our name. It's to honor God's name. And David's coming here saying, listen, I'm not trying to make this go away so that somehow I can put some polish on myself. God, I want to deal with this in a way that would reflect as good as it could be in this situation on you. Now, it seems strange that I would talk about being transparent with a God that most of us would agree sees everything. 
The writer of Proverbs told us in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything, man. He, he knows where we are, what we're into, what we're doing. Most of us would believe that God's eyes are in every place, but the fact is we still have to live an open life with God. Do you remember Adam and Eve? They sinned, and what did they do? They hid. That was their gut reaction. That, that was their response. Let's put some distance between us and God, and, and that many times is our natural reaction when we have a need for a comeback in life. Oh, man, don't let God know. Don't let God see. That's never the right way to, to handle it. The sooner we wake up spiritually and become brutally honest and transparent with God, the better. As we move on, I want us to see one final aspect, how David handled these comebacks in his life. I want us to see that he accepted that comebacks look different than we might imagine. As we've seen, David was not a, a perfect man, not by a long shot. None of us are. Um, I told you David committed adultery and murder. But you need to know this about David. He really, truly, authentically, sincerely loved God. And I think we all get that because in our hearts when we think about a God that loves us so much and we love him in return, we sometimes wonder how, how do we put all these pieces together in our lives does every action really indicate that i have a passion for god and and here's david a man that really truly did love god in fact in the book of acts we find something special out about david in acts chapter 13 and verse 22 the bible says i found in Dave, uh, david the son of jesse a man after mine own heart this is what god says Now, maybe we wouldn't have said that about David. I don't, I don't know what we would have said. It probably wouldn't have been nice. And God said, let me tell you about David. I like his heart. So we find that here's a man that is a sinner, but he's a man that in his life, he does have a love for the Lord. And when he was wrong, he admitted that he was wrong and he sought to have a comeback. There was a desire in his heart. He went through those early years when he was on the run from Saul. We started there and, and then kind of in midlife where the event that we just studied took place. And, and then kind of as he's, as he's moving on, he begins to think about legacy and all that God has done for him. And, and he comes to the conclusion that he wants to do something with his life to honor God, the one who made everything he'd, he'd enjoyed in his life possible. The, the Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, 17 verses 1 through 4 this now it came to pass as David sat in the house that David said to Nathan the prophet lo I dwell in an house of cedars but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains Nathan said to David do all that's in thine heart for God's with thee and it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan saying go and tell David my servant thus saith the Lord thou shalt not build me in house to dwell in so david in this passage he's talking to the prophet and he tells the prophet he said you know nathan i was thinking my house like my house it's nicer than the church house so to speak 
He said, that's great, Moses made that tabernacle, the curtains, the tent, that's, that's great, but you know, I've got a house, man, it's made of wood, not any wood, it's made out of cedar, and, and I've got a nice place, and I'm looking at the, at the church house, so to speak, to use terminology we would understand, and, and David says, I'd really like to build a beautiful house of worship for the Lord, and initially Nathan says, man, that's great, initially Nathan comes to him and he says, David, man, do all that's in thine heart, whatever it is you want to do along that, along that vein you go ahead and do it so David's thinking on it and then we find that the Lord comes back to David through Nathan and he says thou shalt not build me in house we find out why later why why could David not build God a house he wanted to he had a heart for God the Bible says well in first Chronicles 22 and verse 8 the Bible says the word of the Lord came to me saying thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars that uh, thou shalt not build an house unto my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight David's work in life was was really to establish the kingdom of Israel and and he was known as a mighty warrior they'd sing songs about how he'd killed his ten thousands and and God says, David, you've been through some things in your life that are going to cause you to have to give up some, some other opportunities. And so his hopes were shattered. He, he could try to come back from this all he wanted, but listen, here's the thought. It just never would be the same. He could want to come back. He could hope to come back. He could try to come back. But David was going to see that it never was going to be what he had imagined. And these are tough moments in life. When we're looking down the road and we have to come to terms with the fact it's never going to be what I thought it was going to be. It's never going to be what I dreamed or imagined it was going to be. These are tough moments in life. And if we don't learn how to come back from moments like this, we could hear every other sermon we've covered in this series. But this one thought alone will keep us stuck in our tracks. We won't move anywhere. What do you do? Maybe you remember where we began in our study when the Amalekites came and they took the wives and the children you, you remember what it is that that uh, the Lord said to them God said to them in that time you can take all surely you'll overtake them and and you'll recover all sometimes in life we recover all I told you that when we make a compact it's it's always to a place that's better than where we were but there are times in our lives where we are not going to recover all in the way that we would imagine so what did david do he says god i want to build you i want to build you a place of worship and god says no so what does david do i love what he did and i love the heart that david had he said well god if i can't do that i'm going to do the very best i can with what i have going on in my life i want to live for you he basically said this god i've done some things in my life that have limited my opportunities but I love you and I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. I want to live every day to the fullest and make the absolute most of my life for your glory. And so David invested all of his energy and all of his resources in the rest of his life to get all the materials together so that when his son Solomon came along, he could put together what it was that his dad prepared. We spend a lot of time in life crying over spilled milk. I don't want to make light of it. I think we need to do everything we've studied in this lesson, man. We've got to be honest with God and, and transparent and see uh, moments in life as an opportunity to wake up spiritually. But there are going to be those occasions in life where we have to say, this comeback may look a little different than I'd imagined, but that's not going to prevent me from moving forward. I'm going to come back to do this exactly the way the Lord would have me to do it. I went to the doctor some time ago, and I, I just wasn't feeling good. 
And uh, so I told him uh, that, that uh, I wasn't feeling good, and he looked me over, and he told me I was sick. And uh, I said, I know, that's why I'm here, you know. And, and uh, so we talked a little bit, and he poked around, took tests and all the rest. And, and uh, you know, I'd always thought if something doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. That's not true. Sometimes it makes you weaker, okay? So the sickness, it didn't kill me. It just made me weak, you know? And, and uh, so I'm explaining this, and I'm learning, and we're talking. And, and uh, to make a long story short, the, 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 the doctor kind of gave me a pep talk and, and uh, said, look, you know, take, take two of these and call me in the morning type of thing, and, and uh, you're going to be fine. I said, great, so this is done. He's like, no, it, it, this is life, man. You know, you just you deal with some things. Let me get this straight. It's never going to be as it was that's no way to live life right you eat better and you exercise i've been talking a lot about going to the gym and exercise lately my wife's been after me you know and and he said no listen he says look you're gonna be great just here's here's what you do you just you just live a healthy life that's all it's good it's good and uh and i'm coming back and i feel good (laughs) And sometimes when we have these types of, of setbacks in life and, and, and all we see are the limitations and, and we see the relationship that will never be exactly the way it was and, and we see the mistakes that we made that maybe have cost us dearly financially and we wonder will we ever recover all the way. Sometimes in the discouragement of that moment we just say, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure that, that it's worth the energy to try to get back where I am. Let me tell you something, make the most of what you have. That's how you honor God with your life. Say, God, I'm going to do all I can with what I have. I'm going to do all I can where I am. If we had David here today, the king of comebacks, and if I were interviewing David, and if I were to say, David, thanks for being here today. uh, Hey, tell us about your comeback. David would laugh. He'd say, which one? He would say, my whole life's just been a series of comebacks. It's just one after the other. I just kept coming back. And I think we would learn that the key to living in victory is not just found in not having any setbacks. We want to limit them, of course. But I think the victory is found quite often in our willingness to get up when we get knocked down or when we fall down. The victory in David's life was based on the relentless comebacks that he had so are we there yet we're not there yet we will not be there we may be there in one area and not even close in another area but but if we learn to respond quickly by allowing adversity to serve as a wake-up call and if we'll be really honest and and come to the place in life where we can look at our lives and come to the same conclusion god does when he looks at our lives agreeing with him we'll be on, on the right track. And, and then when we can accept that comebacks might look a little different than we'd imagine, I think we'll find we can take our lives and we can make progress for a lifetime. And that's the joy in living, is going somewhere in life. And for the person of faith, for the child of God, it's fulfilling God's will, going where God would have us to go. We're not there yet, but by God's grace, I hope we're able to kind of check the mile markers off as we as we move forward for the lord our father thank you for this day where we could take a look at some of the comebacks in the life of david and see how he responded and god i pray that you would allow his life to be instructive to us and for us we're thankful god that you and your honesty 
revealed the full story in your word. That we have a, a life like David's, one that we can, we can maybe identify with in a variety of ways. God, I pray for those today that really need that spiritual wake-up call. They're going through it, and maybe it's the blame game looking around. And, and maybe, Lord, they need to see their current situation as an opportunity to draw them to you. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be honest and transparent with you. And God, I pray that you'll help us to move into the future, trusting you to unfold it before us as you would. Bless us today. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Our, our heads are bowed this morning, and maybe you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, as you went through that, that study today, there was a truth in there I needed to hear. Maybe for you it was a need for the wake-up call, or it was the need for honesty with the Lord in terms of how we view our lives, and, and listen, maybe, maybe for some today it was the reality that, that a comeback, it's going to look different than you thought it was going to look like before you went through the setback. And today's the day you just need to say, God, I, I, I'm going to come back as you would have me to. Help in this situation. Maybe I don't get to build the temple. Fine. But I want to get all the supplies together. And I want to be the biggest blessing to my family I can be so that they can go further in life. And maybe I got to go. And it's, it's an attitude. It's an attitude we're talking about here. So maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastors, we went through that study. I think there was, there was a truth in it, a statement made in it, a thought there. That was good for me. I need to hear that. I, I've got a comeback to make. And we talked about some things today in the life of David that I think could help me in my life. Are there those like that this morning by testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. That's awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Well, when David needed a comeback, what's the first thing he did? He said, man, I've got to pray. I need to talk to God about this. Maybe that's what needs to happen today. If you'd like to spend some time in prayer as we have our invitation, I'll invite you to do so. It's a great way to, to move forward. Maybe you want to grab somebody and say, hey, would you pray with me? And we'll have some of our folks in the front as we have our invitation. If you'd like someone to pray with you, you can certainly ask them. But maybe you're here today and there's a spiritual need in your, in your life. Maybe you're here today and you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized or God's putting it on your heart to unite with this, this church family. Uh, those